0: each other and get some participation and I love it I'm looking forward to it tonight amen Thursday night tomorrow night is our Spanish service at 7:30 p.m. amen gonna be a good time they're gonna have a great time so again Spanish service at 7:30 tomorrow night Saturday morning men and ladies prayer um, at 8 a.m. again Saturday morning men's and ladies prayer at 8 a.m. and for the young people that want to go to youth convention youth convention is next weekend uh, but the pre-registration, I believe, ends on Friday. So if you want to get that discounted pre-registration rate, you need to get that done by Friday. Um, and so um, you can see Brother Cain for more information on that. Amen. Why don't you come and give unto the Lord tonight. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. Bless this offering to the upbuilding of your kingdom. And bless those who give according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you come and give unto the Lord? Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. He is so good. He's faithful. Amen. You can be seated. If you don't have a copy of the lesson, I know the ushers are are making sure we get those out. Uh, We're going to get started on that here in in just a couple of moments, but make sure everybody's got it. The the topic, and I I posted it kind of all over Facebook because I got really excited as I was. As I was discussing this, we're talking about the will of God tonight, and, and you know, we sometimes make the will of God out to be something that's so hard to find, that's difficult to figure out, that's some sort of kind of mystical, prophetic, you gotta have a prophet, you gotta have, I mean... (laughs) we 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 kind of when we talk about the will of God there there's this mysticism around the will of God and and while the will of God is definitely a spiritual thing absolutely 100% the will of God is a spiritual thing it's not as difficult or even as mystical or uh hard to figure out as what we think it is and so I want to try to really kind of get rid of some misnomers and get a little bit of a better understanding tonight of what the will of God truly means. Um, And I was telling my wife that this is actually one of those subjects you could probably teach it like a year on and and still not not exhaust it. Um, And so this is going to just be kind of scratching the surface. I'm not going to tell you tonight what. The specific will of God is for your life. I will tell you some things that are always the will of God. Um, and so we'll, dis- we'll discover that. We're, we're going to take our text, and we're really going to wrap this up. We're going to end with this scripture, and we're starting with the scripture. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. It's only by the mercy of God that, that we can really do anything. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. we're going to talk a little bit more in detail um about that last phrase there, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God a little later in the lesson but Let's just start out tonight by discussing, let's just talk about this. What is the will of God? What does that mean? When we say the will of God, what do we mean? Open forum discussion for those of you who are new. uh, We we like to just kind of let everybody have a little bit of a chance to participate. Sister Tryon. So he has a successful way for each one of us so that he can we can end up with him one day, and, and he has a plan laid out. Yes. Brother Sam? Okay, the plan. Sister Maria? Absolutely, the ultimate goal. And, and, and actually, when, when it comes right down to it, and I see some other hands. The ultimate goal is that we can get to heaven. Right. That the will of God is not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Right. And if we come to repentance, then it follows that we'll follow all the other steps and and we'll make it to heaven. And that's that's the idea. The angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that comes to repentance. Right. And so so the ultimate goal is for us to get to heaven. So so that so it is the will of God for you to go to heaven. I can say that every one of you. All right. Brother Redway, I think I saw your hand and then I, or my brother back here. The direction of your life, absolutely. The will of God means the direction of your life. And it's Brother Xavier, is that right? Javier, Xavier? Got it, okay. Javier, Javier, Javier. okay, I was close. Okay, Uh, Javier, got it. A- absolutely. And and so and so, you know, he talked on a lot. He, he said a mouthful and he touched on a number of things we're going to talk about. He talked about sacrifice and, you know, presenting ourselves as living sacrifices and then making disciples. It's the will of God for every Christian to make disciples, by the way. And so we all ought to be disciple makers. And we talked a lot about that over the past year. Any other responses when we when we're talking about the will of God? What are we what are we talking about? Yes, brother. Absolutely. So uh, in a nutshell, doing the will of God is doing what the father tells you to doing what God tells you to do. Right. And absolutely. Absolutely. So. So let me ask you this question, then, just just kind of this is not going to be as much discussion. But what do we what do we mean when we say when we talk about our will? So if I say it's my will, what does that mean, Brother? Cain? How we want to live. Yes, brother. Yes. Right. And, and so, you know, my will, my will isn't really what's important. Now, the ultimate goal would be for us to get to the point where our will becomes his will or his will becomes our will. Right. And, and so that, that's kind of the ultimate goal that that we want to get there. And the reason I ask that question, when I'm talking about my will, I'm talking about exactly what I want, what I desire. So when we talk about the will of God, it's the same thing. It's, it's what God wants it's what God desires. If you want to define the will of God, the most simple and, and probably complete definition you can find if you're just defining what it is, not necessarily specific uh, for each person, but the will of God is what God wants or desires from us. That's what the will of God is. And so as we talk about the will of God, uh, Roman numeral one there in, in your notes, uh, letter A, it says the will of God is God's sovereign governance of all that comes to pass. So there is something to be said for God being sovereign and, and being in control and being in charge. And and he's got his hands in everything, so to speak. There are there are many passages, letter B, there There are many passages of scripture in the Bible that teach us that God's providence over the universe or his control over the universe extends to the smallest details of nature and human decisions. How do we know that? Well, in Matthew, we find that there's not one sparrow that falls to the ground apart from our father in heaven. Uh, we, we know that he has numbered every hair on our head. We uh, in Proverbs 16:33 it says the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. And Proverbs twenty one and one says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it, the king's heart, he turneth it whithersoever he will. So so God is always working to bring about his will. Now that doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> that we're always working to bring about his will. But God is always working to bring about his will. Now, I I would hope that we're always working to uh, bring about the will of God. But, you know, we're human and flesh gets in the way sometimes and we have to be careful with that. But um, God is always working to bring about his will. So I want to talk letter C in your notes there. I want to talk about four aspects of the will of God tonight, four aspects of the will of God and I think these are these are going to help us kind of understand uh, a little bit we're going to get deep about what the will of God really is and so the first one number one there is the sovereign will of God there's an aspect of the will of God that is called the sovereign will of God and some some people like to call it the will of decree what God has decreed and and when God decrees something it can't be changed and and uh Think about uh, Nebuchadnezzar um, when he made the decree and it was signed with the seal of his ring that everybody had to bow down to that idol or they were going to be thrown into the furnace. Think about the king when he made that decree that if anybody prayed to any other god other than, uh, than, uh, than himself, that, that they, they had to... Uh, they had they were gonna be thrown to the den of lions and Daniel. Think about the story of Daniel, all right? Think about uh Haman and um Artaxerxes and Esther in the story of Esther uh, Haman got the king's seal and put his seal on it and Haman decreed that all of the Jews would be destroyed and when even after it was discovered what Haman's plot was and that it went against Queen Esther the king was powerless to retract that decree so he had to make another decree so so God is the same way when God decrees something it's going to happen absolutely Uh, No two ways about it that is when we talk about that that is God's sovereign control of all things that's why we call it the sovereign will of God or the will of decree it cannot be broken it will always come to pass no matter what the sun comes up in the morning it might be cloudy we may not see it very well but the sun comes up in the morning and the sun goes down and the moon comes up at night. That's a sovereign decree of the Lord when he created it. The sun's going to come up in the morning and the, the sun's going to go down and the moon's going to come up and the stars are going to be there. And, and, and it's, it's just the way things are put together. It's decreed that that's what happens. It always comes to pass no matter what. God's plan of redemption is an example of the sovereign will of God. Jesus was going to come to this earth and he was going to die for our sins, no matter what. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That that word, Word, in the Greek is the word logo, uh, logos, um, and it literally means the plan, or the thought, or the idea of God. In other words, when God knew that man was going to sin, and so from the very beginning, He had a plan that when man sinned and messed up, He already knew what he was going to do, and it was already established from the very beginning. That's why the Bible says that Jesus was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. So there are certain things that are going to happen no matter what. Now, let's think about that story of Jesus dying. I'm going to make a statement here that's going to mess with somebody's mind a little bit. Sometimes God's will of decree will involve sin. I see some puzzled looks. It will involve the sins of man. Think about this. In order for Jesus to be crucified, there had to be a whole lot of sin that happened. And I'm not talking about the fact that there would be no need for him to die if man never sinned. I'm simply talking about the fact that somebody had to kill him, which would have been a sin. Somebody had to lie and accuse him falsely, which was a sin. They had to break the law to do things on Sabbath that they weren't supposed to do. That was a sin. And so sometimes now I'm not saying God makes people sin, but sometimes the will of God includes the sin of men. All right. I'm not trying to confuse you. It's never God's will that we sin. OK, let me let me be very clear. It's not God's will that we sin or we live in sin or that we continue in sin that grace may abound. That's, that's not God's will. But God will sometimes use sinful man and even the sinful things that that men do in order to bring about his plan. He can make all things. Work together for good to them that love him. Do we understand what I'm saying there? I'm not saying that it's God's will for you to go out and sin. So don't go out there and, and, and mess up and then come to pastor and say, Well, Brother Brown said that I could go out and sin. That was God's will. No, I'm not saying it's God will, God's will for you to sin. I'm saying is God can use sinful people and even the sinful things they do to somehow work things out to bring his will to pass. Sister Maria, I saw your hand. So, okay. That's what she she just wanted to make sure I covered that very well. And I was going to. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And so that, that can be a very rocky slope. That's why I wanted to make sure I, I, I covered that correctly. Right. Because it, it, it's not God's will for you to sin and God is never going to go out and tell you to sin. OK, understand that he's not going to make an exception for your sin. Now, he'll provide grace and allow you to get under the blood and he'll forgive your sin. But he's not going to excuse it and make a special case for you and tell you, I want you to go out and sin. Abraham lied. And he's called a hero of the faith. It wasn't God's will that Abraham lied. God could have worked that out a whole lot. That was an act of disobedience, an act of faithlessness. And and yet. God used it to bless Abraham even better. I mean, he did that, and then the king gave him all kinds of gifts and stuff. And so God used even Abraham's own sin to bring about his will to bless Abraham. right, Brother Andres. (laughs) Yes, a testimony, absolutely. Absolutely. You can have a testimony, but your testimony would be a whole lot different, absolutely yeah. absolutely. so we're at under number one, under letter C, where down in there, where it says sometimes God's will of decree involves the sins of man um sometimes so God hates sins, but sometimes. Um, he'll allow sin to be done in order to bring about his plan. And he can use the sins of man in order to bring about his sovereign will. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. It says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, look at this, who worketh all things, not some things, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So God works all things out to bring about his sovereign will. And this is sometimes in spite of our sins. He'll bring his will about sometimes in spite of our bad decisions. He'll bring his will about sometimes in spite of our stubbornness and our rebellion. He'll, He'll bring his will to pass in our lives sometimes despite our faithlessness or our insecurities or our doubts or our weaknesses. He can still bring those things about because he can work all things together for our good. Who love him and are what? Called according to what? His purpose or his will. So if I, if I line myself up and I do my best to walk in his will, he'll work all things out. For my good, so that my will will be done. Brother Steve, you had a comment and I think I see Sister Marie's hand again. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, our mis- By the way, and that you know, that that theme. Our mistakes do not have to define us. Amen. Amen, Sister Marie. Did I see your hand? I like that. I'm write that down and put it in the lesson for later. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're we're talking about the sovereign will of God, the will of decree, the, the will of God, the aspect of the will of God that's always going to be done no matter what. Can you we talked about Jesus and the plan of redemption? Can can you think of another example of God's will of decree or the sovereign will of God, something that no matter what it's going to happen? Anybody got any ideas on that? Brother Milton. Absolutely. I didn't have that one written down. Absolutely. He said he's never going to destroy the world with the flood again and and he won't. And so that's it's absolutely the will of God for that never to happen again. And it's not going to happen. Yes, brother. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yeah, the rainbow is and the world's trying to take the rainbow and make it all kinds of, of bad bad symbols, but the rainbow is the promise that God's not gonna destroy with the flood. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Now that one I did have written down. The rapture. Jesus is coming. It's gonna happen no matter what, right? Whether you're ready or not. <laughs> Right, but he's coming. Yes, Brother Lou. He's going to have a church. Absolutely. He's going to have a church. He's going to pour out his spirit. The gospel will be preached throughout the whole world. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue. These are sovereign things. Sovereign will of God. These things are all the the sovereign will of God. Now, the second aspect I want to talk about in the will of God is the will of command. All right. So this is under letter C still. It's number two. The will. So we had the sovereign will of God. Now we have the will of command. Now, God's will is what he commands us to do. All right. So if there's a commandment, that's God's will. <laughs> All right. And there's no two ways about it. The difference In that is that this in this aspect of the will of God, we can actually refuse or fail to do it. The the Bible clearly says thou shalt not lie and every liar will have its place in the lake of hell. But I could still choose to lie. Okay, I, I can choose to do that part of the will of God or not. The Bible says thou shalt not commit adultery, but I can choose to commit adultery if I want to. All right. And so. That's is that is I probably couldn't get away with it on my way, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying so. But the point is that there, the will of command, it's God's will for his commands to be followed. But he has given us the power and the freedom of choice. And so I don't there are certain things that although I know it's the will of God, I, I might not necessarily do it. I might refuse to do it or I might just fail to do it because of my weakness. I have a choice. We have no choice when it comes to the sovereign will of God. Jesus came and nobody could stop it. He died and rose again and nobody could stop it. He's coming again and nobody can stop it. He's going to have a church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Nobody can stop it. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is gonna, we, we can't stop those things. It's going to happen. But the will of decree, the will of the sovereign will of God, it's going to come to pass no matter not, no matter what whether I believe in it or not or whether I obey it or not. But the will of command, it's up to me whether or not I do it, whether or not I obey it. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So not everyone's going to enter the kingdom because not everyone is going to do the will of God. So that implies that there's a choice involved. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17, John said, "And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever." Not everyone's going to abide forever because not everybody's going to do the will of God. Now let's look at some wills of will of command. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, "In everything give thanks: for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you." 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. So it is the will of God by command for us to give thanks in everything. But it's our choice as to whether or not we actually do give thanks in everything. It's the will of God that we abstain from fornication. But it's our choice whether or not to actually abstain. Amen. So you see the difference. There are certain things that's sovereign that's going to happen no matter what. And there are certain things that it's my choice. It's up to me. Is that clear? Now, let's talk about we're going to talk about these two things that that I hear a lot. And and I, I've always kind of struggled with how scriptural they were. And as I've studied this out over the last few months and I've kind of kind of begun to see this, it's kind of opened my eyes that that it is scriptural, although you may not you won't find these you might not find these one of these phrases at least in in the Bible. It's scriptural when we talk about it, so we'll look at some examples. But that's called, we're talking about the perfect will of God versus the permissive will of God. All right, you're not going to find the word permissive or the phrase permissive will of God in scripture, but I think we can prove in scripture that there is such a thing as the permissive will of God. So we're going to look at that. But first, let's talk about the perfect will of God. Now, this is no doubt. It's the absolute will of God for me, and it is specific and it is individual. So the sovereign will of God is no matter what this is going to happen, it's not people specific. It's not necessarily time specific. It's going to happen in God's time, and no matter what, we can't stop it. The sovereign will of God, the will of command is specific to everybody, and it's, but it's subject to our choice. However, the perfect will of God, that's when we get to this very specific individual. Will of God, that's what God's plan is for me. What God prefers for an individual is the perfect will of God. So it's so let's look about the word of God there. There are some things. That are always the will of God, such as in everything, give thanks and abstain from fornication and those command things. Right. Um, Those are both God's will of decree and his will of command. Right. Not his will of decree, both his his will of. uh, It's his will of command and it's also his perfect will. That's what I was trying to say. So I put that a little bit wrong in the notes there. It's both his his command, what he wants us to do, what he's telling us to do. It's also the perfect will of God. So. It's the perfect will of God for me to give thanks and everything It's the perfect will of God for me to abstain from fornication. That's part of the perfect will of God. But the perfect will of God also goes more specific to each individual. I believe that God has a plan for every one of us. And so this is what when we talk about God's vision for my life and the work that God has for me to do, the work that God has for you to do. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It seems like that verse makes it into every lesson I teach or every sermon I preach. I just love it so much. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. So the the, the perfect will of God, it's God's plan for my life, His specific plan for me, His specific plan for you. It's where I'm supposed to be. The perfect will of God is what I am supposed to do. And the perfect will of God also includes when I'm supposed to do it and sometimes even how I'm supposed to do it. So can you think of any scriptural examples of people being in the perfect will of God? They're, they're, they're out there. So let's look at some scriptural. Let, let's just throw some names out there. Who, who are some people in the Bible and what was the situation where they were in the perfect will of God? Sister Marie. John the Baptist. That's the one I wrote down. Absolutely. Yes, John the Baptist. Brother Cain. Absolutely, yes, that's that's another one that I had written down, absolutely, Sister Maria, Esther, she was there for such a time as this, absolutely, Brother Redway, I think I saw your hand, Joseph, it didn't feel good, but Joseph was in the perfect will of God when he was in the pit, when he was in the prison, and when he was in the palace, yes sir. When Moses split the Red Sea, Moses in general, he was doing the will of God. He got that burning bush and he walked out and he obeyed and he was in the perfect will of God. He was walking according to God's plan and perfect will for him. And look at how powerful and successful Moses was. He was at the right place at the right time, exactly where he needed to be to do what got to find out first and foremost what God wanted him to do. So so by the way, you need to spend some time with God to try to figure out what he wants you to do to make sure you position yourself to be in that point where it it's God's. When I see a hand back here, I think yes sir. So Daniel was in exile, but yet he was in the perfect will of God. Yeah, so and, and he had a vision. And he was fasting to try to get the answer for that vision. And he was in the perfect will of God. So there, there are many. David being the king of Israel. That was the perfect will of God for David. Um, how about Paul when he went to Macedonia. He saw in a dream a man saying, come over to us, and he understood that that was God's will for him. It was Paul's will to go to Rome, but what happened to him on his way to Rome? I was listening to Adventures in Odyssey the other day, and we we listened to this whole series of episodes of of Adventures in Odyssey where um, it's it's about Paul's journey to Rome, and that wasn't an easy journey. He got bit by a snake that should have killed him instantly. He got shipwrecked. I mean, he was a prisoner, but he was in the perfect will of God. We're going to talk about that, because not only is the will of God supposed to be perfect, but we're also supposed to see it as good and acceptable. Now, that's a challenge, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. So let's talk about the permissive will of God. So the permissive will of God is not exactly the perfect will of God. (laughs) The permissive will of God now you need to understand this. Let me let me make this uh, this disclaimer really quick the the permissive will of God does not and never will go against scriptural absolutes. It is never God's will for you to violate his word. OK, let me he's not going to allow you. I already said that once he's, he's not going to permit you and allow you and, and, and even, even in some form bless you and say that you could even possibly be even in the permissive will of God if you're going against the Word of God, okay? Let me just make that, that very clear. But there are times that God will allow things even though He does not prefer them, okay? Am I losing anybody? <laughs> Sometimes God will allow things even though He does not prefer them, and that's what we call the permissive will of God. Now, the permissive will of God can be a very dangerous place. (laughs) Yeah, because it takes me away from His perfect will. Where I want to be is in the perfect will of God, and that's the only place that I can guarantee that I'm going to be blessed and God's going to take care of me. I got to be very careful. The permissive will of God typically stems from our own will, our own desires, rather than God's desires for us. So has anybody ever experienced being in the permissive will of God? Let, let me let me share a story with you. And this isn't this is from when I was young. And so I wasn't the decision maker here. And hopefully I learned my lesson and um, won't repeat this mistake. But my father was a pastor and. He. Uh, my father never pastored a really big church. He he would go to churches that had been split or churches that were about to die and his ministry was to revive them and get them back up and get them back on their feet again. And he would get them to the point where they were starting to grow and thr- and thrive. And revival was coming, and healing and restoration took place. And then God would say, "It's time for you to get up and move on." Well, along about the time I graduated from high school, my dad had just kind of decided, "I'm tired of this. I'm getting up there in years, I, I want some stability. I'm tired of struggling, f- struggling financially. I'm, t- I'm tired of all this stuff." And um he knew that it was God's will. He, so let me try to explain how this worked. In, in the organization that my dad was licensed with, he was a licensed minister with, there was always a list that would come out that would be churches that were open that didn't have a pastor. And so whenever my, my dad would begin to feel like it was time for us to move on, he would get that list and he would pray over it. And, and many times God would show him different ways, but in this particular time, God showed him the town in the, that he was supposed to go to. Now, the town was called Sentinel, Oklahoma. It was in western Oklahoma. I think the population is like 257. Alright, so now compare that to 77,000 here in New Britain, right? Um, I, it, so, it, it, was, it was 15 miles from any other town close to it, um, and it was way out in the middle of cow pastures, and and, you know, even if he had the greatest revival and, and won the whole city like Jonah did uh, when he preached in Nineveh, he would only had 257 people in his church. Maybe a few ranchers that were outside the city limits, so maybe 300. Now, that would have been a great revival for Sentinel, Oklahoma. Dad was like, I don't want to do that. So there was another town about 30 miles away uh, that had an open church as well. And that, it, by western Oklahoma standards, there was about 15,000 people are there, and that was actually a pretty big city by western Oklahoma standards. And and so, although it might be considered small town USA when we look at the northeast, that's a pretty, almost a metropolitan area in western Oklahoma. And so, there was that open church. And, and Dad would not even call or contact the presbyter in order to see if he could go try out for that church in Sentinel with 257 people. But he called about the one that was 30 miles away in Hobart, Oklahoma. And He was elected as pastor, and God allowed him to go there. It was the permissive will of God for him to go there. Now, things went well for about six months. (laughs) And then, for lack of a better term, all hell broke loose in our lives. It broke loose in the church, and there was all kinds of stuff that was happening. And it i mean it got it got almost ugly now there was nothing sinful going on or anything like that but things just weren't working out it was like everything that that we tried to do in the church wasn't working nothing was working um and i remember the night that dad called us together as a family to apologize to us with tears streaming down his face and explain to us now i'm i'm getting ready to go to college it's it's in the summer between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college and and you know my dad is is pulling us together and he's saying i'm sorry he's got tears streaming down his face i'm sorry i led you to the wrong place i fought so hard to not go where god wanted me to go that church in sentinel was still open and so we ended up going to that church And dad was more blessed. And I was off at college and then getting ready to join the army and all that. But dad was more blessed while he was pastor in that small church there than he in the first month or two months that he was there than he ever was in that six months while he was in the permissive will of God, because that was the perfect will of God. So although there was some favor and there was some permission for him to go to Hobart, which seemed like it would be more comfortable it wasn't more comfortable. And God allowed us to do that because it put us in proximity of where he really wanted us to be. And I think I learned a very valuable lesson <laughs> from my dad's mistakes. Is I want to be in the perfect will of God, not the permissive will of God. Sister Marie. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Does that makes sense. to You understand what she's saying? All right. So. So let me ask you this question, then. Why does God allow us to go into his permissive will? Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. There's something he wants to teach us sometimes. Yes. But he's God. Why does he let us? I'm just I'm being facetious on purpose, but did you hear that? So I can figure out that I can't do it by myself or on my own. Absolutely. So I think there's two elements to that, and I think you're, you're right. I think sometimes it's not so much he allows it as we're going to do it anyway. So he's like, so, so what, if I, what if I said this, right? And I agree with you, and I'm not, I'm not arguing your point. What if I said this? Sometimes God will allow us to be in his permissive will because he loves us. That almost doesn't make sense because you would think if he loves me, he wants me to be in his perfect will, and that's true. But sometimes because let me, let me put it this way. if I was God and I told you I want you to go to this place and I want you to do this thing and I want you to do it in this time frame and you decide you want to go over here and you want to do it this way and you want to do it I'm gonna be like no I mean I think the army sergeant is gonna come out and be no you're gonna get yourself over there and you're gonna do it whether you like it or not or else I'm gonna have you uh cutting grass out of the sidewalk cracks with a pair of of medical scissors. I mean, I mean, that's just, I'm just, I'm thinking if I'm God and I, you know, look, if I tell my kids to do something and do it a certain way and do it at a certain time, they better do it. And I don't know why they don't always do it, but, (laughs) but, right, but, but, You know, but the thing is, God loves us, and so sometimes He'll allow it so He can prove a point, or so He can teach us a lesson. He's giving us because He's graceful, and He's like, okay, you know what? You know, I don't think it was ever God's will for Samson to ever marry a Philistine woman or be involved with Philistine women. But the Bible says that it was of God because He had ought against He was. I don't think God, it was God's will. For Samson to break the law. <laughs> that, that goes against everything I know about God and about his word. But God allowed it so that he could use it as an occasion against the Philistines. Right? Brother, Brother Andres. I told you, I warned you, but now I guess you've got to learn the hard way. You're stubborn, you know. All, a lot of people are from, from the show-me state of Missouri and don't even know it, right? You've got you to gotta show me. That's the motto of Missouri State. It's the show-me state. So you've got to show me in order for me to get it. You've got to be from, like, Arkansas or Missouri or somewhere to get that. But So I think, and a lot of times it's because of the hardness of our hearts. Because I, I'm going to do it anyway. But God doesn't want to lose me and he doesn't want me to be lost. And if he forces me to do it his way, I might resent it and I might turn away completely from him. But if he allows me to do it my way and learn my lesson the hard way, then maybe I'll come back and get into where he wants me to be and in his perfect will. And then I might appreciate it a whole lot more, too. Yes, Sister Marie. He wants us to do his will because we want to and because we love him, not because we have to, because it's a set of rules. If you love me, keep my commandments. So God knows what's best for us. He always has our best interest at heart. And sometimes I think we have a hard time understanding this. Sometimes we we think that we can do it better. (laughs) Or we think that our way is better or we think that, you know, we don't understand why, you know, we got to go through this route and go over there and go over that mountain and around that tree to get to there when there's a straight path right here. But there's a reason why God takes us a path that he takes us because he knows that way. And so so God allows us sometimes to go our way just so we can learn. That his way is the best. And aren't you thankful that he is long suffering (laughs) or patient with us? Thank God for that. I mean. So let's talk about what are are some examples of the permissive will of God. How about when Israel asked for a king? God didn't want to give them a king. He wanted to be their king, but he allowed them to have a king. But did it really end up well? Other than David and Solomon for a little bit, and then Hezekiah and Josiah and Jehoshaphat. For the most part, the kings were pretty bad. (laughs) Sister Maria. Absolutely. Hm. It's evil women, I tell you. No. <laughs> I'm just joking. Just joking, by the way. Please don't don't stone me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, these like, are you want to do it your way, go ahead. But The world's still suffering because of that act of disobedience and Abraham wanting to do it his way. Absolutely. It ended up being the will of God for Israel to go wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. But. That's not what he really wanted. (laughs) He wanted to take them the first time. And they chose not to. So as they're wandering in the wilderness, it was the permissive will of God. (laughs) Because of the hardness of their hearts. Um. And they refused his perfect will, so he put them in his permissive will, and and that was almost like a command too. At the same time, that didn't go all that well, right? They wandering around forty years in the wilderness. Jesus talked about <laughs> Jesus talked about divorce. Divorce is a permissive will of God. Now, there are scriptural. There are scriptural grounds for divorce. If there's been unfaithfulness, or if the unsaved leaves the saved, then you're free. Like there's there are scriptural guidelines, and so I'm not I'm not making a blanket statement that all divorce is wrong no matter what. But when the when the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and they were talking about divorce, you know, and they're trying to trip him up, he said, Look, Moses, because of what? Because of the hardness of your heart. Now, there's a whole marriage lesson we could talk about in that. Divorce comes from the hardness of somebody's heart. I won't go there because I don't have time. But divorce was only granted, only allowed because of the hardness of their hearts. And so he permitted it. But from the beginning, it was not so. Therefore, what God hath put asunder, let no man, or what God hath put together, let no man put asunder. Whoo! I almost messed that up big time. What God hath put together, let no man put asunder. Sorry, I, I stumbled on my words. I wasn't looking at my notes. How about this one? Balaam was never supposed to go see the king and inquire of God as to whether or not he could curse Israel. But then God allowed him to go. It didn't work out very well for Balaam. and Balaam ended up doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and he ended up being cursed himself. But God allowed him to go and see the king, even though he originally told him not to. Right? So you, you can argue God down a little bit sometimes. You can convince God to allow you to do it your way, and then, here's the danger of it. Because God says, okay, go ahead and do it, then you think, I'm in the will of God. <laughs> Woohoo! you're not you're just a bratty kid that did got his way because he begged his oh man I shouldn't have said that out loud the bratty kid that whined and got his way man I I hope you're not mad at me over that but but that's the permissive will. I don't want to be in the permissive will of God I want to be in the perfect will of God I hope you want that all right so we got a few minutes I want to talk about something else about the will of God It is possible for us to discern the will of God, okay? That word discern really means to recognize or to be able to see and recognize and understand, okay? So it's possible. I talked about at the beginning how there's this kind of mystical aura about the will of God, and and sometimes we feel like we're never going to figure out what the will of God is. Absolutely not. You will figure it out because God wants to tell you. If you will allow him, he'll show you his will for your life. He'll show you what his perfect will is, and then it'll be your choice whether or not you fall in line with it. The word prove when we said Hebrew, in Hebrews 12 and two, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He he uses that word prove in the Greek it really means to discern that's that's what it means in the greek is to discern so it, what we need to understand and i'm at, on uh, roman numeral 2 letter b right now god wants he desires to reveal his will to us i mean if it's what he wants for us and he loves us and he knows what's best for us he he not only wants us to do it he's he's going to show it to us he's not Out there like, well, it's just going to happen and I'm just going to. No, he's going to show us and he's going to reveal it to us. He wants to show you what his plan for your life is. And and if you don't have that, that's why the Bible says where there is no vision. The people perish. Look at First Corinthians, chapter two, verses nine and ten. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things with which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, the problem is when we read that passage of Scripture, we stop at that verse sometimes. And and people have used that verse to try to say you can never figure out what God's plan is because it's too great for you. And you'll never be able to understand it. Just go along for the ride and you'll never fully understand what it is that God wants you to do. But you got to keep reading because in verse 10 it says, but God has For he hath, he has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. If you will get into the spirit, he will show you what his will is. Now, it is true. He has great things in store for us that we can't even imagine them in our finite understanding. We can't understand them in our limited minds that we have as humans. Um, and, And yes, I just said you have a limited mind. So do I. We all do when it when we compare to God. Right. We, we we have this limited capacity to understand and see what God sees and know and understand that. But if I will get in the spirit, the spirit will reveal it and it will transform my mind in such a way and renew my mind in such a way that I will be able to see what God sees and 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 see what God desires for you. I, I hope that that somebody understands that He wants to show you what God what He wants for you. He wants to show you, He wants to order your steps. He He wants to He wants to acknowledge, wants you to acknowledge Him so that He can direct your paths. He He wants to do it. I wasn't planning on preaching, but it's so true. If I will learn to walk in the Spirit, and live in the Spirit, then God will reveal His will to me. I just wish we'd get a hold of that. Because I believe God is trying to raise up an army of people who will, will know God's will and will walk in God's will. There is nothing more powerful than a man or woman of God that understands God's vision for their life and begins to walk in it with confidence and with faith. There is no more powerful force on earth than that. Find the will of God. That's why this topic, I get excited about this topic, because if I can find the will of God for my life, nobody can stop me. Yes, I'm going to come to you out here, but Sister Marie. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. That's why we need to hear preaching. Sometimes God uses a preacher to show us what the will of God is. Absolutely. I mean, he may not show you everything all at once. As a matter of fact, we probably couldn't comprehend it if he tried to show it to us all at once. He'll give us glimpses. He'll give us visions. He'll give us ideas. But then, you know, he'll order our steps one by one, step by step, one by one. And sometimes you can't even see where your next foot is going to be. You just have to kind of keep walking by faith, even though you're not quite sure where that foot's going to land. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, Javier, you had a comment. Yes. Absolutely. And and as Sister Marie said, and as you said, you know, we've got to find those keys. And, and, and the key is we, we need to be with God and be in his presence through prayer, through reading his word. And I, I haven't forgotten you. I, I'll get to you <laughs> through reading his word. The number one. I mean, this is by the way, this is always the will of God. Always, no matter what, this is the will of God. And through this, it's a living, breathing document. I mean, if you want to say it that way. And and through this, he will reveal his will to, for you. I don't know how many times I've, I've been able to discern the will of God because I remembered a scripture or I read a scripture and I'm like, whoa, something triggered in me. And I realized in that moment that that was what God wanted me to do. And so so, you know, he will. I've got to spend time in his word. I've got to spend time in prayer. I need to spend time with the saints of God. I need to hear good preaching. I need to be in submission to authority. I mean, we don't have time to get into all that. That's a whole nother lesson on how to discern the will of God, but he will show it to us. Yes, sir. Yes, absolutely. And and as he was talking, I was just thinking about the fact that. You know, if, if God showed it to us all at once, we might get ahead of him a little bit, too. Because sometimes he just gives us a little bit of a glimpse so he can say, hey, this is where I want you to work toward. But, you know, I might want you to, you know, there's some things I need to teach you so that you can get there. That's why we have training. That's why we grow. We have to mature. We have to do all that. But God, he'll He'll show us and he'll reveal to us. It doesn't mean that the minute God shows it to you that you step out and, you know, you're the next missionary. You're the next Billy Cole. You're the next League Stone King you're going to have to learn some things you're going to have to go you're going to have to go through a process of of sanctification and 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 by the way sanctification is is not just a one-time thing that's a that's a lifestyle i have to every day i have to die daily i have to crucify the flesh daily i have to get myself before him daily to sanctify myself to his will every day i have to say lord not my will but thine thine be done yes sister maria i saw your hand okay i'll I'll talk about that so um so i was we we were engaged um and um i was a i was a sophomore at the time in bible college marie was a senior she was um we were we were going to be married at the end of her senior year and um i already had we all, we already had a couple of recruiting offers so to speak of where to go and And I didn't have any. She had ties here. I didn't have any UPC ties in the United States, really, because I came into the UPC. I came into this oneness message. I came into it while I was in South Korea, while I was in the army. So I didn't have any church ties to any of our churches in our organization Um, while I was in Bible college. I didn't have any. I went straight from Korea to Bible college and and I didn't have any ties. And so. I was kind of an open book. God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I mean, I hope I always stay that way. Um, but we were kind of like, OK, well, what are we going to do? You know, we, we're going to get married. What are we going to do? Um, there was different offers that were out there. And, and, and you know, when you're in Bible college, uh, especially as you start getting towards those, you, you know, you got pastors that are coming that are asking you to come work for them. you got presbyters and district superintendents and people trying to get you to start churches and all these different things that are happening. So I'm trying to figure out what the will of God is. And, and just in prayer... God spoke to me. Now, God had already spoken to Marie. And had kind of told her and she thought she knew what the will of God was, but she was not going to just come and tell me because as the husband, I was going to be the head. And so I was going to have to be the one to make make the, the decision and and go from there. And so God actually spoke to me and said, you're going to go to Connecticut and you're going to work alongside Pastor Tryon. And you're going to stay there till I tell you to. I tell you otherwise. <laughs> that was 15 years ago. I've been here for 13 years. Yes. And he asked me to, that's right, he asked me to talk to her, to tell her what I felt, and it just confirmed everything. Yeah, you're right. I forgot that little detail. It confirmed everything that God had already been speaking to her. Right? And so God will reveal his will if we're listening. And if we've got our eyes open and if we really want to hear it, because sometimes we don't really want to hear it. And Look, I mean, I had I had offers to go full time in ministry coming out. I had I had district superintendent. Minnesota wanted me to start a church in Minnesota. There's different things that, that we could have done. Um, but God told me. You're going to go to Connecticut. You're going to work alongside Pastor Tryon and you're going to stay there until I tell you otherwise. And that was 15 years ago. I so I had two years of school left. I've been here for 13 years now, and God hasn't told me otherwise yet, and I'm not asking. Because just the same way he, he told me to come here, he can tell me to leave. But I'm not going anywhere unless God says so, and I'm not asking him to take me anywhere else either because I love y'all. <laughs> and, and I feel like I'm right where God wants me to be. I feel like I'm in the perfect will of God right now. And so here I am. Yes. Well, yeah, we were we were finishing up school, which was I knew was God's will for me. I was, I was I, next step. What's next step? I I wasn't necessarily asking to go anywhere else. I wasn't asking. I just said, OK, well, I, I did ask God, what is it you want me to do? That's God. I'm an open book. Here I am. What is it you want me to do? And I was laying on my bed in my dorm room. God spoke to me and then he said, go talk to Marie about it. Well, God had already spoken to her. So when I said it, it just confirmed everything. And so we already knew before we even got married where we were going to go. And, and thank God for that you know and it doesn't it's not always that easy but it it was that easy for us in that instance yes ma'am In, in the army in the army we had a a saying that so in the absence of orders you just follow the previous order that you had right i mean that's just kind of how it worked orders remain unchanged nothing's come down from on high i'm going to keep going so we we got to try to wrap up here colossians chapter 1 verse 9 says for this cause also sw- For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. God wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will. He wants to give us wisdom and spiritual understanding as it pertains to his will. So when that happens, it gives us insight not only on what he wants us to do, but also where and when and how and all that that good stuff. We're not going to read all these scriptures. We're going to we're going to skip down to where it says Ephesians 5 and 17 there. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's important that we understand what the will of the Lord is. And Paul tells us, and I'm going a little bit fast there, but you know you can look through the notes. Paul says that not understanding the will of the Lord is actually unwise. I want to make this connection for you. Solomon tells us in the book of Proverbs that wisdom is the principal thing and we should get wisdom. And then he says, but in getting wisdom, we should also, with all of our getting, get understanding. That's Proverbs chapter 4, and verse 7. So let me just kind of connect some dots here. If wisdom is knowing and understanding the will of God, because Paul said it's unwise not to, so the opposite of that is it's wise to understand and know the will of God. So we could say that the principal thing is for us to discern Or understand the will of God for our lives. That's the principal thing. We need to understand the will of God for our lives. Um now I want to go to Roman number three real quick and we're gonna try to close with this and I'm gonna go through it really quickly. Romans chapter twelve and verse two. Um it, it talks about the will of God being good, perfect, and acceptable. So the will of God is you know what, we don't even have time to get through this. Man, I wanted to, but we don't we don't have time. We'll We'll continue this the next time I teach. Um, we don't have time to get through that, and I really want to go through this, that Roman numeral number three. I, wanna, I want us to have a good discussion on that. So let me just kind of finish out where it says Proverbs 3 there, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He will direct us into His will, into his will if we allow him to. But we've got to consult with him. In other words, we've got to acknowledge him. So that he can reveal his will to us. The will of God is not like the State Farm commercial where the guy was, has got the fishing pole. You know, you see it online. The guy's got the fishing pole and and, and he's he's dangling money in front of him. And she reaches up and grab it and he pulls it back up. You got to be quicker than that. You yeah, know, almost had it. That's not, maybe, I don't know, it might not be State Farm. It's an insurance commercial of some sort. I don't know. I don't pay attention to it. Um, But. That's not the will of God. He's not going to just like dangle it out there and then, you know, yes, we need to seek it. Yes, we need to we need to look for it. We need to put ourselves in position to see it. But if we put ourselves in the position, he will tell us and he will show us what his will is. It requires trust. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And then we're going to close with this thought. The will of God is intricately tied to faith. There is no will of God without faith. It was the will of God for Abraham to leave his country and wander through the land of Canaan. But Abraham had to act in faith and obey to do the will of God. And he was later cited as a hero of the faith because of his obedience to the will of God. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Doing the will of God pleases God. Amen. That's a very simple statement. Doing the will of God pleases God. So without faith, it's impossible to do the will of God. The will of God and faith are intricately tied together. But if I walk in faith and act in faith, he will show me what he wants me to do and I'll do it. And it just works hand in hand and life will be a beautiful thing. Amen. God bless you. I'm sorry we didn't get through all of it. We'll Uh, We'll uh, be able to explore the rest of it the next time I teach. God bless you. Have a great night. I hope you enjoyed it.